0: Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stop Ridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God... Praise Christ Jesus from the dead. He will give life to bodies by the mortal body by this same spirit living within you. We're starting a brand new series today on this Easter Sunday, and it's called This Same Spirit. Before I get into that, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever seen someone do something that, uh, like, you just wondered, how in the world did they do that? This week I did a little research and I found out this guy that you're about to see the picture of right here coming up. This guy did something crazy. He ate 73 hot dogs, buns and all, in 10 minutes. How did he do that, right? How in the world do you do that? 73 in 10 minutes. And also I saw uh, this picture of this lady who was uh, hanging by her teeth from a helicopter over Niagara Falls, 300 feet high, only by her teeth. How does she do that? And I'm thinking this is a great polygrip commercial. (laughs) Some of you have to Google what polygrip is, all right? um... And then take a look at this couple. I mean, look at them now. Take a hard look at them because they set a world record. This couple, I want you to know, kissed for 58 hours and 35 minutes. They set the world record. Now, just think about that a minute. That's two and a half days of being lip-logged. <laughs> two and a half days. I mean, they, they kissed for over two and a half days. Now, now I don't know about you, but I start thinking about practical things there, okay? I Like uh, restroom breaks, you know, how that works. And then, then I start thinking also about, you know, I don't know about you, but usually after I go a while without eating, my breath is not the most pleasant. <laughs> Two and a half days, it was rank, I'm sure. But uh. And the reason I bring all that up is because every time that you, when you begin to look into the Bible and you read about Jesus, the question comes, how did he do that? How did he do that? You know, Jesus had 12 followers that were with him very all the time pretty much for three years. And he just amazed them, and I'm sure he amazes me as I read about him. But he took them out uh, on a boat, and uh, they were going, you know, they were experienced fishermen. And so they were out on a boat, and they were in the ocean there, or basically lake is what it was called, the Sea of Galilee, which was a big lake. And apparently Jesus got tired and decided he was going to go up under. You know, they had a little uh, bunk up under where he could sleep. And those guys continued fishing, but a storm come up, and and as that storm arose, they got really bad. And it must have been a really bad storm because fishermen are used to the winds and the waves, you know. Anybody ever watched that show, Deadliest Catch? Anybody ever seen that? Okay, yeah, I'm talking about waves like this must have come up. And those guys began to scream like little girls. Ah! Being frightened. It was so bad that they actually went down and they were looking for Jesus because they thought he must have gotten knocked out in some of these waves or something because we haven't seen him yet. And so so they were looking for him and and Jesus was asleep and they said, hey, hey, man, wake up. Don't you understand? We're about to die. And Jesus walks up on the bow of the boat. He he just looks at it and in those big waves like on Deadliest Catch, all of a sudden Jesus stands on the boat and says, peace be still. And the Bible says immediately, The water calmed down, the wind stopped blowing, the waves subsided. And you know what those guys said? When he walked back down and went back to his bunk, they said, what kind of man is that? What manner of man is this? Really what they were saying is, how did he do that, right? How did he do that? Also, we see Jesus walking into a town. You have to read the Bible with an imagination a little bit. You know, you got to let your mind do a little work. Some of you read it, it's so boring to you, but you got to get into it, you know. Jesus walks into a town, there's a man blind. And as this man is blind, he's begging. And they go over to him, you know, this man's holding up a sign. And I don't know what he would hold, but I'm like, if I was blind, holding up a sign, I'd have someone help me write. I'm blind, give me a dime, you know, something like that. Because that's sort of the way my mind works. But Jesus, Jesus went over to him and everybody thought, oh, he's going to show him compassion. He's going to give him some money. He didn't do it. He got right in front of him. And what do he do? As he's looking at the man, he just goes, pooh, he spits right on the ground. Like, what is he doing? And so then Jesus bends over at the, at the spittle he just put on the ground, and, and he begins to stir it in the, in the sand, and he makes a little mud out of it. And he scoops up the mud that he just made, and he takes the mud, and right there while he's looking at the guy, and everybody's waiting on him to pray for Jesus, Jesus takes the mud and just wipes it right in the man's eyes. And everybody's going, what, this man has lost his mind. I mean, listen, this poor blind man here, and he's just putting spit and mud in his eyes. That horrible guy, right? They were ready to take Jesus out. But Jesus said, told the man, and guess, think about the blind man. What was he thinking? Like, what have you done to me, man? I just wanted a dime. That's all I wanted. That's it. And then he walks on. He says, listen, go over here and just wash. Go into the water. Wash your eyes out. And when the man does that, he washes his eyes out. All of a sudden, as he washes the mud off, his eyes become clear and he can see for the first time in his life. And everybody's asking, how did he do that? Can you imagine after Jesus did that, that when other people saw people who was blind, they spit on the ground, they stir it up, and they put it in their eyes. <laughs> hey, go wash this out. Nothing happens, right? How did he do that? That's the question. And that's a question that echoes today. As Jesus met with his, again, that group of 12, on what we know is the Last Supper, we have communion now because of that meeting. And as he met with them, he's like, listen, guys, I want you to know that in a few days I'm, I'm going to die. And those guys were like, no. He's like, they're going to kill me. No, they're not. And they were like, over my dead body will they kill you, Jesus? No, I'm with you all the way to the end. And he even looked at them and said, then one of you are going to betray me. And they said, oh, no, 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 no. And then we know from the story how that Judas actually leaves the room that night. And as he left the room, Jesus took the other 11 and they went into the garden, Garden of Gethsemane, as an olive grove. And he began to tell those 11, listen, pray with me. I want you to pray with me because a difficult day is coming, it's coming and so they tried to pray, and they prayed for a little while, but they did what me and you do. When we pray as long as we can pray, they fell asleep. Anybody ever fall asleep praying beside me? Anybody? Yes, that's right. Don't you feel horrible about that? Oh, God, I'm sorry. You ever wake up? Oh, God, I'm so sorry. No, no, that's okay. God liked that, that you're so comfortable with him, you can just go to sleep. How about that? But they fell asleep, and, and Jesus, but he did, and Jesus was praying Matter of fact, Jesus had he was praying and he was he was such under such stress. The Bible said that he was under such stress that his sweat became blood, like drops of blood. I mean, that's stressed out everybody. And, and and what he was stressed out about is the same thing that you and I stressed out all the time about. It was either gonna be his way or God's way. You see, that's what the stress was all over. It was like, okay, either it's going to be God's will or my will. God's will is that I go and that I drink this cup that's before me, that I go to the cross, but I don't want to suffer everything that they're going to do to me, so I don't want to do what you want me to do, Father. But Jesus said, no, right there, he was stressed out. Finally, he said, not my will, but yours be done. It's It's because he was stressed out over his will versus God's will. Watch this. When he gets up from that prayer and he's going over to the other 11, the number 12 comes walking toward him, Judas. Out of the darkness, here he comes. And when you greet a person in their day, and and it was a friendly greeting, when you greet them and it was a friendly greeting, you would take the man by his shoulders like this, and you would take his shoulders and you would lean your head sideways and kiss him on the cheek. It was a friendly greeting. And that's exactly what Judas come and did. With that greeting, he betrayed him. It was a signal to the soldiers that was hiding in the woods. And when Judas did that, they come running out and they, they arrested Jesus. And guess what? All of those other 12, the, or those other 11 that were there, they said they'd never leave him. They never forsake him. That over my dead body will they take you. Uh-uh, we're here to the end. And as they're walking Jesus back to Jerusalem, they're nowhere to be found. Yeah. And here's the question that we have to ask, you know, right at that moment when everybody leaves you and there's nobody in your darkest moment of your life and everybody walks away and we see Jesus still staying on the plan of God, whether anybody else is with him or not. And the question we ask is, how did he do that? Then he, then he goes, they take him in, and then they try him over the Thursday night. Friday, they take him to Pilate, the governor, and they say, listen, this man has broken our law. He needs to die, crucify him, and Pilate examines Jesus. He finds nothing wrong with him. The Bible says he finds no fault in him. He finds nothing wrong with him, but he said, I know what I'll do, and, and what I'll do is, is that I will take him, and I'll have him whipped, so that'll be enough for them, and so Pilate took him out, and he had him scourged, and what that means is that he had that the, the soldier that was whipping him had a whip that had nine pieces of leather at the end of that whip with pieces of bone in that. And that every time that they would crack, it would be laying like nine stripes on him and it would rip the flesh out of his back. And Jesus took 39 of those stripes and he looked like this. This picture depicts that. There he is. And the question that I have, and the question that you probably should have, the question that I have is, how did he do that? Because all he had to say was, I'm not doing this anymore. No, you've broken you've broken me. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to say, no, I'm not the son of God. And you can have it. No, you can have it. I'm not going to do it. I want to tell you, the first time that they showed me the whip, you would have been done. Because if I was Jesus, I'd like, heck no, you haven't. Right? Wouldn't you? I mean, listen, I, I've never been beaten with a whip. Thank God. Rhonda's threatened a few times. <laughs> but I have, been, I have been switched. You know what that means? Not, not, not exchanged, but like getting a switch, you know, my grandmother. Anybody remember a hickory? Anybody know what a switch or a hickory is? Yes. Where they take and stripe your legs, you know. And like back then, that wasn't child abuse. That was getting you straightened out. <laughs> And, and so I've been switched before, so I, I know what that feels like. And, and, but yeah, I can't imagine what it's like for someone to lay, for hit you with a whip. And Jesus took 39 of those. 39, so much so that historians tell us that that, that, that bone began when they would hit the whip and snatch it back. It would pull flesh out of his back. His back actually was open wounds. How did he do that? Without saying, God, forget this. Because we all would have. Pilate brings them back out. He brings them back out in front of the people. He says, Hey, okay, it's your custom that I release one prisoner to you every year. So on this hand over here, we have Barabbas. Everybody look at Barabbas. Barabbas is a a big, burly guy who's a bully and who has stolen from many of you. He's stolen from you. Matter of fact, he's a thief and he's a murderer and so Barabbas here would be a good choice for you to for you to keep locked up and it'd be a good choice for you to release this man because I find no fault in him. So which one do you want? Do you want Barabbas? You want, or do you want Jesus? You might want to take, the, do you want Jesus? I'm sure Pilate was urging him that way. But the crowd said no, give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas and crucify Jesus, as he looked at the crowd that had recently said, Hosanna, you're our Savior, and now they've turned on him. And now it's the journey to the cross because they're going to crucify him. And as he's, he's beginning this journey to the cross, they've thrown a, a wooden cross on his shoulder, and he's, he's got to carry his own cross. But remember, his, black, his back is wide open. He's lost a lot of blood. He's very weak. And as he tries to carry the cross, he stumbles and falls. And as he stumbled and falls, the people around him, they spit on him. And, they, and, and as he stumbles again, they, get, they smack him, and they hit him. And some even grab for his beard and, and pull it out. And he's weakened. And finally, they throw someone in there named Simon and he grabs Jesus' cross and he carries it up the hill and Jesus staggering behind him. And they throw the cross on the ground and then they throw Jesus on the ground and they take his hands and they nail him and take his feet and they nail his feet together. And as he's up on the cross, it looks something like this. You see the crown of thorns in his head? They made him a crown and they pierced him into his head. So he is losing blood. His heart his heart is beating very hard because it's trying to pump the very the little bit of blood that's in his body through his veins and it cannot. And Jesus, with his breath that he's struggling to have, and the only way that he can breathe is get up on his tippy toes and take a breath. And with that breath, he says to that crowd that said crucify him, and to the crowd that spit on him, and to the crowd that slapped him, and to the crowd that pulled the beard he says this to them. He says, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. How did he do that? How did he do that? I mean, it's hard for me to forgive someone who cuts me off in traffic. <laughs> Hello! I mean, isn't, you, isn't it hard for you to give somebody that, that says something bad about you, that post on social media something that's not true about you? Isn't it hard to forgive them? I mean, do you say, Father, forgive them? You say, heck no, I'm going to take them out. <laughs> and if you or I were on the cross, if you and I were on the cross at that moment, you and I would not have said, Father, forgive. We would have said, Father, send the lightning right now. Take them out. They don't deserve this. Send them all to hell. That's what we would have said. Amen. Come on, be real. Come on, be real. Amen. Because So the question I got and the question that I want answered is, how did he do that? Come on. He bowed his head and he died. And they put him in a tomb that looked sort of like this. It was a tomb that was carved into the rock. And they laid him in there and they pushed that stone in front of it and they sealed it up. And they put guards there to keep the disciples from stealing his body. And they thought he might. But listen, with the guards and it sealed, you know what? They were trying to stop the people from the outside. But the problem was not the people on the outside. The problem was the man that was on the inside. Because he said, in three days, I'm going to get back up. And I want you to know on the third day that we're celebrating today on Easter Sunday, yeah. that Jesus Christ, yeah. to removed the stone away. And he came out, he's alive forevermore. Amen. Yeah. And because he lived, that we can live. You know, death lost the battle that day because when you and I have Jesus in our lives and death comes knocking on our door, he cannot take us because we'll be in heaven with God forever. Amen. Amen. So the question is, how did Jesus do that? And I want to give you the answer today. And here it is. the, The answer is the Holy Spirit. Look what the Bible says in Acts 10. It says this. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and what everybody, and power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. What I want you to know is the Holy Spirit's power in Jesus. Look at this. Look at this statement. It's on the screen. I want you to remember it. As a matter of fact, let's say it out loud, everybody. You ready? With the Holy Spirit I can. Let's say it again and let's emphasize those last two words. Let's say it. With the Holy Spirit I can. I can with the Holy Spirit. Yes. Look what the next verse says because it talks about this same spirit that was in Jesus. It says this, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. So the question is this, is that I need the Spirit living in me. And why do you need the Spirit living in you, the Holy Spirit? Because you can never be good on your own. Amen? Amen. It takes the Holy Spirit to have a holy life. Without the Holy Spirit, you will have an unholy life. Amen? Yes. We have to have the Holy Spirit within us. You, too many people are trying to be good on their own, and you, yes. you can't be good on your own. So let's talk about re- receiving the Holy Spirit. What does that look like? So here's what I want you to know. The first thing I want you to write down is this, is receiving the Holy Spirit is believe in Jesus and be born again. Believe in Jesus and be born again. Look what Jesus said. Jesus was asked about this question about being born again. And Jesus answered, I'm telling you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God without being what, everybody? Born again. I love this. You see, Jesus told the religious people that day, and the people that were asking him, how can you be born again? They asked the question. They said, can I go back into my mother's stomach again? Can I go back and be born? Jesus said, no. He said, you got to be born of water and spirit. Now, now, ladies, you know about being born of water, I guess, because I, I don't know how it happened to you, but I remember being with Rhonda when, when her water broke when she was pregnant. I'll tell you, that was a, ooh, Lord Jesus. Okay, let's move on from that. But anyway, so I understand being born of water meant that, that fleshly birth, but being born of spirit is being of God. You didn't have a choice when you was born of water, but you do have a choice when it becomes of being born of spirit, everybody, amen? Being born of the Holy Spirit, and that's what he's saying. And so he goes on to explain this spirit because everybody thinks about spirit as like Casper the Friendly Ghost. No, no, the Holy Spirit is not like Casper the Friendly Ghost. Look what he says. He says this. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Notice that. He said, okay, what is this spirit like? Well, I have an example here of what the Holy Spirit's like. You see this fan? This fan is blowing and it's making these tassels move. What's making the tassels move? What is it? What is it? Wind. Okay, what does the wind look like? Nobody knows what the wind looks like? Well, it's there. You said it's wind. If it's wind, I ought to be able to see it, right? But I can't see it, can I? I can only see the effects of the wind. I can't see the wind itself. And there's too many people when we talk about receiving Jesus that think that they're going to receive the bodily form of Jesus that he's coming down and you're going to see him. No, you're not going to see him. You're going to receive his spirit. His spirit comes inside of you, and it does just like that wind right there. In other words, you can't see it. You, you, on the outside, you'll go look in the mirror and you say, well, I've received Jesus, but I don't look any different on the outside. No, you may not look different on the outside, but something on the inside is changed inside of you, and it begins to make a difference in your life. Amen, everybody? That's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. The second thing I would say is this, is repent of my sins. If I want God's Spirit in me, I have to repent of my sins. This is big. Look what it says in Acts 2.38. Now, again, this guy, Simon Peter, the one that said, Oh, over my dead body, Jesus. And he left him. And then they asked Peter, you know, when Jesus was being crucified, it said, "Hey." Now, aren't you one of those? And three times he denied Jesus. And so Peter's come back. He's repented of his sins, so he knows what he's talking about when he says this. Look what he says. He's, he replied, how do we get saved? He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of what, everybody? The Holy Spirit. So I want to tell you that repentance is important. Yes. What is repentance? Repentance. Repentance is actually, if I'm walking that way and God is this way, repentance is actually me turning from my way and turning to God. Yeah. Now, I have this death trap. <laughs> this is a skateboard, and there is a term when you're skateboarding that's actually called a 180 or repentance. It means that you're, doing, you're turning that way. And so, here we go. Oh yeah, you see my legs shaking, don't you? That is not made it up. It is happening. No hands, everybody. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm scared. What I want you to know is this is that you're looking at me as I'm shaking, but you know what? I'm looking at you and many of you are shaking. you know why? Because you're going that way. And every, the Holy Spirit right now is knocking on your heart's door telling you, you need to go that way. But you're scared because you're afraid that you've tried to go that way before and you didn't make it. You tried it on your own. But the Holy Spirit said, if you'll come with me, I will help you do a 180, everybody. I'll help you change. I'll help you change your life around. You see, you're trying to be good without God. I want you to tell you, you don't get good and then get God. Many of you are saying, you know, when I when I quit drinking, when I quit cussing, when I quit running around, when I quit doing all this stuff, then I'm going to go to God. No, if you could do that, you'd already be with God, but you can't do it on your own. You've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit, and you're shaking on the inside just like I'm shaking right here, right now, because you're afraid, and I'm afraid I'm going to fall any minute, and so I've got to have the Holy Spirit, and so on the count of three, I'm going to do a 180. Are you with me, everybody? Are you with me? On the count of three, you ready? I'm going to do some repenting right here, and i got to have the help of the Holy Spirit. You ready? You ready? You ready? Come on. This is a crowd that said, Crucify Jesus. I hear it right now. The Friday night crowd said, No, don't do it, Pastor, but you do it. Here we go. On three. One, two, three. Woo! You didn't know what the Holy Spirit looked like. There she is right there. Hallelujah. You mob, you. You were just waiting. I seen the phones out too. Repentance. Repentance. The devil will scare you to death before you repent. He'll try to tell you, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. You can't do that. God won't like you. You're not been good enough. All this stuff. And he's a liar. He's been the liar from the very day that he created and fell from heaven. Amen? He's a liar. And so today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, you just say, God, I want to repent. And you start walking toward him. And that wind that was blowing that you saw, all of a sudden, like on the day of Pentecost, will begin to blow inside of you. And it will change your life. Amen? See, you can't be good on your own. Without without the Holy Spirit, I'm a bad man. And so are you. You're a bad woman or bad without God's spirit. You see, you've got to have something inside of you to say that when you start to do something wrong, to say, no, 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 don't do that. And see, if I was with you, then I could say, hey, don't do that. But I can't be with you all the time. But God said, he said, I'm going to let my spirit be with you all the time. And you don't need the pastor to come with you because I'm going to be with you. Amen. And if it wasn't for him living inside of me, I wouldn't be here. Amen. Neither of you, You've got to have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And those times to help you do what's right as well. Yes, it will. So we have to repent. So let's say it. It's coming up on the screen again. Let's say it. And emphasizing those last two words, let's say it. With the Holy Spirit, I can. I can. Amen. I can. I can. The third thing I'd like to share with you is this. Is this. Is with the obey. Obey what the Bible teaches with the help of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Again, I want to read that verse to you one more time. Acts 2, 38, says this. Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, why did he say be, be baptized? Because baptism is the very first act of obedience. When you confess your sins, then guess what? God wants you to go public. He wants you to take a step out and say, okay, yeah, I want everybody to know that I made this decision. It's a step of obedience. And I just want to tell you, I want to encourage you, if you haven't been baptized, to be baptized. And I also want to tell you this, that, you know, Rhonda and I, about four years ago, went to Israel, and we got rebaptized in the Jordan River. It was awesome. And so every, every year after Easter, I do what I call rebaptism. Because there's many of you that many of you that you know what you 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 got baptized when you was a child, but you didn't live up to it, you know, and you you rededicated your life to Christ. I just tell you, why don't you do it again? And so on the 18th of April, two weeks from now, two Sundays from now. Every service, I'm going to be in that pool. After the, every service, I'm going to be there, and I'm going to do all the baptism that day, baptizing that day. So if you'd like to be re-baptized or baptized that day, join me in the water. Amen? Because there's something about that water that helps change lives when you take that step of obedience. So check it on your card right now. Go ahead. Matter of fact, there's already about 20 that signed up, so I think we're going to have 50 that day. So be a part of that, that great baptism. The second thing I would say this is that the best life that you can live is not lived by willpower. The greatest life that you can live is lived by Holy Spirit power. It's like what I showed you here. It's like what you can't see, but it's happening on the inside of you. You see, I I was talking to a, a pastor friend of mine this week. And he said, Jeff, he was talking about the books I had written, and he's like, how did you do that? And I said, listen, the only thing I do is I write like 30 minutes a day, four days a week. He said, Jeff, you're one of the most disciplined people I know, and I said, well, you know, I appreciate that, and uh, I think that, you know, our staff would probably say I'm pretty disciplined, but, but there's some areas in my life that willpower just will not carry me. Amen. Matter of fact, look at this picture right here. Look at it. You see that picture? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, you can call it pecan or pecan, whatever you want to call it, all right? Delicious. I want you to know that this past Christmas, Rhonda and I went to our family. We had Christmas dinner uh, with them, it was wonderful. And we stayed a day or two, and then we got ready to go. And, and we'd had, I mean, I love pecan pie, so my mom had made it, I had it at her house, and my, my mother-in-law made it, I had it at her house, and it was awesome. And we got ready to go, and, you know, we're still in the Christmas holidays, and we got ready to leave her house. She went over to the refrigerator, opened it up, and she reached in, and she pulled out a pecan pie, and she handed it to me, and she said, Jeff, I want you to have this. I said, oh, hallelujah, there's a God, there's a God, hallelujah. <laughs> But on the way home, I got to thinking, I said, you know what, I've had so much pecan pie already. And I told Rhonda, I said, you know what, I'm gonna save this pecan pie and I'm gonna give it to our staff when they come back to the office in a couple days, I'm gonna give it to them. They deserve it, they've worked hard and they deserve it. And so I did, I brought it home, we brought it home and put it in the refrigerator. Well, the next day at lunchtime, all of a sudden, man, there was, somebody was calling my name, it was Jeff, Jeff. And I like, I was looking all over my house, where's it coming from? Where's it coming And I tracked it down. It was coming from my refrigerator. That pecan pie was speaking, baby. He was, was yelling my name. I opened the door and he said, Jeff, you're here. I said, Yes, I am. And I got it out of the refrigerator, and I took it to the counter. I laid it down, and all of a sudden, I was starting to think that, Jeff, don't eat this because you're going to give it to the staff. Don't eat this. you give it to the staff. I said, okay, I won't. As I walked over to the drawer, pulled out the knife, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And I, I cut me a piece and said, oh, it won't matter. It's just a little piece. They can have the rest of it. Yes, that's right. So I put it back up. I didn't tell Rhonda. But we had a couple more days at home, you know. And, and so on the next day, the same thing happened about lunchtime. Jim! Jim! I want you to know our staff got zero of that pecan pie. Zero. My willpower ran out. And I'm going to tell you, when you try to live life on your own and you say, I'm not going to do those bad things, your willpower runs out. You've got to have Holy Spirit power. You know what willpower does? Willpower helps. Willpower uh, says this. When I'm going to live by willpower or my will, then I'll do what I want in the moment. And when you do what you do want to do in the moment, when you're just in that moment and you do what feels good and you just do what you think is good and you do that, then you live with a life of regrets. Yes. But when you live by spirit power. In that moment when your body says, I want to do it, just like Jesus was before God praying and said, Father, I don't want to do this, and said, but nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. And in that moment, you have the Holy Spirit begin to speak to you. In that moment, when you, when you say, I want this, I want this. Listen, listen, it, it will, when you listen to yourself and you do things in a moment, it, it will mess your marriage up. It'll mess your finances up. It'll mess your life up. Amen, everybody? When you do that in a moment. So you've got to have the Spirit's power. And it's the Spirit power that helps you in that moment to say, no, I, I'm going to do what God's want to do because it speaks to you and says, don't do that. It's not best for you. And all of a sudden, you find the power that you've been looking for. For Hallelujah. it calms you, it, it takes away anxiety and depression because you know he's got you. Yes. You know he's got you, it's not willpower. I want to share this with you this story with you that I read by the guy named Bill Frey. He wrote a book, and his book, the title of his book, was um, The Dance of Hope. Bill talked about that when he was a little boy how that they lived in the country and they had to start a fire you know uh to to heat their home and and part of his job was getting wood and and he said he was out one day and he was out there trying to get up this old pine stump which would have made good kindling you know it start the fire would start easy and he was out there trying to dig get this stump up he said he'd worked with this for hours and could not get this stump up he'd gotten so aggravated And he's just mad. He said, and his dad come home from work. And when his dad come home from work, he saw him out there. And he went out there to him. And he says, son, he said, what are you doing? He said, dad, I've been trying all day to get this stump up. And I can't get it up. And he could tell he was at that point where his lip was beginning to quiver because he was just so mad. And his dad said, son, I know what your problem is. Your problem is this, is that you haven't used all your strength. He said, "When well, my dad said that I just lost it. Dad, dad, I've done everything I know to do. I have used all my strength. I promise you, Dad, I've done it. I've done it. It won't move. And his dad said, son, no, you haven't used all your strength yet because you haven't asked me to help you. And you see, I see a lot of people in this audience, a lot of people that are watching right now online. You see, you've been fighting all by yourself. You've been fighting all by yourself, and that's why you're so overwhelmed right now, is because the Heavenly Father is saying, Listen, if you'll just keep asking me, I'll just keep coming through. And even though you cannot see me, I will be there. And even though even though you may be afraid and weak, I am strong, I'm what you need. And that's what Easter's all about, everybody. It's not just about, oh, he died on the cross, oh, he got up out of the tomb. Good for Jesus. No, 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 good for you. And good for me. Amen, everybody? So today, today, I want everyone, if you would just bow your heads, those that are watching online as well. And what I want you to do right now is I just want you to ask the question, man, have I been doing this by myself, trying to? And if you're overwhelmed, it's a good possibility, yes. So right now with your heads bowed, What I'm going to do is ask you, I'm going to to lead you in a prayer. And for those of you, there's some of you that you're going to be a recommitment prayer. And there's some of you that you're going to receive Christ for the first time. And you see, you're not going to understand until you do this. And you're just going to say this prayer. You don't even have to say it out loud. But in your mind right now, you're going to say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I need to repent right now. I've been trying to do it all by myself. I'm struggling, and I need you. Jesus, I need you to come into my life, and I need you to save me because I can't save me. I need you to forgive me of my sins, and I need you to be the Savior of my life and help me to follow you. I want to do your will. Even though it will be struggles at times, I know that your way is the best way. And so today, Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and save me. In Jesus' name, amen.